Is work working for your people and organization? In this podcast, Mercer thought leaders, industry experts, and business visionaries share big ideas and best practices to help you build great workplaces and a future where work works for everyone. Making Work Work is a podcast from Mercer Workforce Solutions. Welcome to Making Work Work. I'm Cynthia Cottrell. I'm really excited about today's show because I've got a special guest who's going to help us think about and talk about ways that organizations can help create great places to work. My guest comes from Mercer Pacific, where she is the chief people officer of an organization that spans both Australia and New Zealand, and also was recently recognized in AFR Boss's Best Places to Work list. Why are we talking about this though today? There's a lot going on in the world of work. We know that last month's jobs report indicates that more jobs are created than expected, meaning that Australia now is at still record unemployment levels of 3.5%. Couple that with the rising cost of living, a myriad of expectations and needs by employees across all industries, and in rising cases of fatigue and burnout. So there's a lot going on, and that's why my guest is so special today, uh, because we're going to solve this together with Gay Morris. Gay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Cynthia. Great to be here. So, Gay, before we solve the world's problems today, I'd like for you to just talk to us a little bit about you, how you came into your role, and what you do as the Chief People Officer at Mercer. Yeah, thanks, Cynthia. It's quite funny because I started my career as a, as a maths teacher and um, have spent the last 25 plus years uh, in HR in a variety of roles. And it's always interesting. People say, oh, so what's the difference between teaching and HR? And really, I think the issues are the same, just the people are taller. <laughs> but when I think about my role here and, uh, and how I, I came to Mercer, just a fantastic opportunity to come to a business that had a real growth story ahead of it and and, you know, building up our business and thinking about how we set our people up for success in line with growing our business has been a really awesome challenge. But, uh, you know, the pandemic's thrown a couple of uh, curveballs at us, but we've managed to get through, I think, pretty well. It, I Well, I think so too. And so does AFR Boss. Um, <laughs> you know, let's let's just jump right into it. And, and again, you know, your perspective as a chief people officer will be welcome as a voice in this growing and, and energized conversation about what creates a great place to work. From your perspective and your experiences at Mercer, you know, what are some of the key pillars that you think people leaders should be focused on when it comes to creating the best possible place to work? Yeah, thanks, Cynthia. I think... Um you know, inspiring leadership and leadership that you can distribute throughout your business is just absolutely key to enable change in your business and to really create a thriving culture. So we need our leaders to be relatable. We need them to be able to be accountable and to, you know, really connect with our people if we're going to keep people in this really tough market that you talked about before. You know, unemployment is low. There's a, a real... Um, 
difficulty in, you know, attracting and retaining talent. So when you've got the best, you want to keep them. And so leaders can make such a difference. So we're focused on leadership throughout the organisation, thinking about what does it mean for our very top leaders at the top of the organisation? And then, you know, our next group of executive leaders, and then every single people leader in our business. So how do they bring the culture to life at, at work. So that's probably the first one that, that comes to mind as a real bedrock for me is leadership. Then I think learning and learning growth culture, they just go hand in hand, right? So if you're thinking about how did your business grow, people need to think about how they're growing and how do they keep their skills current. And then as an organisation, us thinking about how do we leverage skills in different ways and how do we bring the best capability to our biggest and brightest problems uh, so we can get the biggest and brightest solutions. So those two. And, And my third one would be inclusion and diversity. And you know, to really bring that sense of belonging to life, uh, we always start with inclusion. So our strategy is to focus on inclusion. And then if we can have a really inclusive culture and environment, diverse people will come and they will stay and they will thrive. So they're, they're the three for me. You know, and I think I, I, I can speak as a consumer of the great programs um, that your team have put in place uh, for Mercer employees, as I am an employee as well. I've really enjoyed the Learning Days initiative, which is part of your pillar of creating a growth mindset and a culture of continuous learning. Can you talk a little bit more about those programs that you are you know, supportive of and, and how that's been picked up uh, by the rest of the organization? Yeah, the, the learning day sounds quite basic when you when you actually say it. It's it's a day that we, <laughs> you know, it's a day that we dedicate for people to learn, and and but really what we are doing is creating legitimate time for everyone to focus on on their learning. So, you know, we encourage people to keep a one note of you know all those cool things that you go oh, I'll read that later, and it just sort of goes into a folder, and then when you open that, you think. Crikey, there's so much in there, and I never get time to to read it all. So, legitimising the day really just helps people think about their learning, not only what they're going to learn, but how they're going to learn. So, um, you know, we encourage people to think about: Are you going to have a watch party? If you're going to watch a recording, maybe do it as a whole team and do it together. Or are you the sort of person that is a solo learner or are you someone that you need a bit of a a buddy to sort of work through and and chat through some of the issues as you go? So we get people to think about how they're going to learn and then we schedule the day. We have some really cool out-of-office messages for people to say, you know, my organisation values my skills and then, you know, it's currency, so I'll be back to you tomorrow. Of course we can't have everyone having the the day for learning and we have to schedule it a little bit differently for some of our um, operational areas areas. But it's great to be able to get some great keynote speakers, you know, harness some cool things that we've done across our business and get some of our internal people to come and talk about and share with what they're learning. But one of the coolest sessions that is the one of the hottest ones is um, <laughs> dancing with 365. <laughs> so it's not dancing on the ceiling. It's dancing. With <laughs> I was channeling my uh, Lionel Richie, but um Dancing with 365, you you have to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, look, we've got people from all different backgrounds and all different levels in our business and once teams came in and Office 365 and OneDrive and all of those changes, you know, there's a lot of people who just need to go to a friendly space 
to actually ask their questions. And we've got some cool people at Mercer. John Humphreys is one. Shout out to John, who um, just runs a really user-friendly session where people can sort of uh, pop in the chat, just asking for a friend, uh, how do you do this? Or, you know, what's the best way of organising myself? And they've just been really great sessions where people have had a bit of a giggle and they've learnt a lot through, you know, asking questions and working with other people. So it's good to see those things live and you can you can read the help chats and you can get online, but to have someone who you know explain it for you is uh, is often quite relatable and it really sticks. You know, you just um, touched on a, on a word that's so relevant at this time, which is relatable. In fact, uh, when Mercer released its 2022-2023 Global Talent Trends research, the theme ultimately uh, that ties everything together that seems to be of, of interest to all leaders globally is the rise of the relatable organization. From your perspective as the Chief People Officer at Mercer, how are you creating a relatable organization that employees experience on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, Cynthia, it's really important to me um, being relatable. So um, as a, a daughter of two factory workers who grew up uh, going to school without Google, without the internet, and trying to work things out for myself, and it's always surprised me that people can make relatively simple things quite complex. So we spend a lot of time really thinking about our HR initiatives or our people initiatives and how we make them relatable and how we market them to our audiences. And so when we have a session like the Dancing with 365, for example, you know, we gave it a name that was quite relatable where people thought, oh, yeah, I'm wrestling with it and dancing around with it as well. So we think about everything we do and what we call it and how we message it in. And we have a bit of fun at work as well. You know, to be relatable, people, we're spending a lot of time at work, whether it's on Zoom or, or in the office, and you want to have a bit of fun. You want to bring yourself to work and feel that you can be yourself. You know, people are looking for leaders that care about them and help them be their best and really create that sense of belonging. And you can only do that if you're relatable and it starts at the top. So it's the sort of message that we share every time we have a town hall. Uh, and you'd know, Cynthia, we, ha- we have a bit of a giggle at those as well. And we get to bring our whole selves to work and, you know, people have worn some pretty amazing outfits, you know, more recently with the the acquisition of um, and merger with, with BT in advance. We had a lot of gold milestones. And when we hit the final gold milestone to see one of our senior leaders in a gold sequin jacket uh, at the town hall was it was pretty fun. So I think, I think, you know, being relatable, it just it puts a smile on people's faces. Yeah. And just on that point about um, merging with BT and Westpac um, advance, you know, that is not a, uh, an uncommon thing that's happening um, in, in organizations throughout the country in terms of growth, even in these times where there are, you know, clearly um, challenges economically and, and uh, certainly globally that are impacting on that. From a Mercer perspective, growth has been on the agenda throughout the uh, current times that we're in. And, and certainly one of those ways of growing is, is through M&A. And, and I think that BT merger um, with and Westpac brought nearly 350 new colleagues <laughs> into <Yeah>. Mercer <laughs> as well. And, you know, just on that note, just knowing that there are many organizations tuning in who are undergoing similar levels of growth and 
doing that, whether organically or inorganically. What what were some of the tips or lessons learned from uh, your perspective when welcoming those new colleagues? Yeah, we had a bit of time to plan for, for this, which was good because planning is key. One of the things that we we did talk about was we talked about being better together. So we knew that both of our organisations would be better together. And so that was our sort of our slogan or our catch cry throughout the uh, the integration. And hopefully it's not wasted on you, Cynthia, that better together is BT. So um, <laughs> that was sort of a cool little, little piece as well. But um, we did purposefully do a range of things. So as I talked about before, distributing leadership throughout our organisation. So we have a, an executive leadership group below the executive team. We got together with the BT leaders that would be on the executive leadership group before they came across. And we spent a bit of time sharing about our businesses and what we did and really had a bit of fun and just got people to actually connect and meet each other. So, you know, that happened about five months before they joined. So that was a really good way of level setting and thinking about what we wanted to be together. We spent a bit of time at that two-day forum unpicking and understanding some of the cultural analysis work that we'd done on both of our businesses. So we looked at four key elements of how culture would show up. And then we we then had a conversation with the team about how Mercer would show up in, in that and how BT would show up, the similarities, and then the watch points for difference, which again, we had a bit of fun with as well, but it really um, resonated. So we sort of knew where we were going to start. And then together we actually built um, a narrative about what we wanted to be going forward. And that, again, was a a co-creation piece, which is something that we're now using to work with our teams. And, you know, if you think about the story that we want to tell, without us putting a narrative into the space, people will create their own. And look, I'm sure the narrative will grow its own legs over time, but it is really great to have quite a purposeful narrative that uh, that we can do together, but Cynthia, you would know that very well because you were you were a key host on that day, <laughs> all those days. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, you guys keep asking me to come back and <laughs> and host these <laughs> events. I yeah no I look I think you know something that that just strikes me about the work that you do gay with with us as leaders and what I imagine all leaders do um, in the HR space in their respective organizations is focus on culture. And I think that, you know, what we talk a lot about on our podcasts are how do we make work work for everyone and how do we make it even lovable if that's possible. <laughs> and I think that one of the things that's so important in your role, and, and I, I have a question in this, but one of the sayings I have is that in our current times, with so much change happening and, and, and the volatility and the, and the velocity of that change just being constant. I think that this is the era of the chief human resources officer. I really believe CHROs are going to save the world. With that said, though, there is a lot of pressure, I think, on folks like yourself, Gay, and I'd love to know from your perspective, if you were you know, advising your peers in this space, what would you give as top tips in terms of addressing the myriad of priorities and needs that are coming your way? Yeah, I'll just strap on my cape, uh, Cynthia. 
to save yes, the world. Yes, I, I, I strike your superwoman pose. <laughs> Look, th- there is a lot. You know, the environment's really, really full. When you think about what's coming down legislatively in the Australian environment, there's lots of changes that are impacting culture. There's a lot in the reward space. There's a lot in the workplace health and safety space. There are rising expectations of our people in terms of what they expect from their culture and what they will and won't do at work and, you know, how they expect to work and when and where they, they want to work as well. So th- there are, you know, a raft of things that, that we need to consider. And, and you know, I, I think if a, a chief people officer thinks that they're going to actually do it all themselves, they're, they're going to be wrong. So that's that's where, for me, this distributing leadership throughout the business, but purposefully doing it is really important. So we need to understand and, and create a framework for people, but enough of a framework that individual leaders can bring it to life with their own personality, their own secret source, and then, you know, know what, know what the framework is that they're working within, but then bring it to life and share the really cool ideas that they have. So, you know, we've seen things happen in, in some of our business units that we've just shamelessly copied across across the business. You know, it, it's been cool to see things happen. So that leadership piece and distributing it with a framework, I think, is really key for for chief people officers to, to really make a difference. You know, thinking that each initiative is going to change the world. It's not. It's going to be the collective. And it's not so much what you do, but how you do it. So, you know, I've seen lots of leadership programs and, you know, lots of different, you know, learning day initiatives, for example, but it's how we bring them to life is the secret source. And that's the defining piece of of the culture. So, you know, those learning days, we've made really relatable, really user-friendly, they're fun, people are looking forward to them. They know they've got, you know, time to do it. We've, you know, being a superannuation organisation, we've got, you know, getting your super sorted so people can go and, you know, sort their super out. They're just going, thank the Lord, I've got that opportunity. Yeah, it, it keeps coming back to being relatable, doesn't it? And another one I'd like to mention is continuous employee listening. So how do you get the voice of your people to your initiatives? So we think about that in terms of surveys, uh, you know, running into people and just checking in, purposeful feedback sessions and focus groups, as well as our, you know, annual employee engagement surveys. It's just ways to really get good feedback and really listen to our people, you know, whether it's just feedback straight after a session or a town hall. But that that's the goal that will really help you keep your initiatives on song. That's a good one, Gay. Um, totally agree. And I'm, I'm glad you snuck that one in. Those are really super helpful tips for not just uh, chief people officers, but I think for team leaders, managers, heads of departments everywhere, you know, at the end of the day, whilst folks like yourself, Gay, are are playing a central role in, in helping to create healthy, resilient cultures that attract and retain great talent, it is a responsibility, isn't it, of all of us. And as you say, you know, one of the key pillars you mentioned being distributed leadership being the secret sauce and not, not so secret now because <laughs> we're on podcast, Drats. but certainly a core pillar of what you've made uh, such a success. And again, recognize and market as, as a, as a key way to, to make great places to work. Look, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for joining us today. 
It's just, it's firstly, it's just been really fun um, hearing you talk about all the great things you've helped to lead at Mercer and, and to see that recognition by AFR bosses is really awesome. A great testament to all of that effort. And we know that your work's not done um, and that those of all of our chief people officers and CHROs, you know, we're facing into some very exciting times with the future of work, but also, you know, great opportunities ahead for so many to shine in this space. So again, thanks for joining me today, Gay. Thanks, Cynthia. It was fun. I'm Cynthia Cottrell. Thanks for listening to Making Work Work from Mercer Workforce Solutions. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. And if you have any questions, get in touch with us via our website at mercer.com.au.